Good evening and welcome once again to Your Legal Rights on KALW 91.7 FM, San Francisco Bay Area. I'm your host, Jeff Hayden. Joining me as tonight's co-host, NBC legal and political analyst, Dean Johnson. Exactly three months ago, we asked whether the time had come for the masses to adopt cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum. But just a few weeks after, a scandal emerged that has shocked the cryptocurrency industry, led to calls for the very thing that crypto was supposed to avoid, government regulation. FTX, a crypto exchange that was heralded as the model for the industry that had broadcast Super Bowl ads and had an NBC, NBA sports arena name for it, filed for bankruptcy. Billions of dollars have allegedly been lost, and FTX brand spokespersons, including Steph Curry and Tom Brady, have found themselves entangled in class action lawsuits. So our show tonight, FTX, WTF. How did this happen? And what do we do about it? Dean? Good evening, everyone. You know, once again, Jeffrey, you have hit the nail on the head. Just a few weeks ago, we talked in glowing terms about the merge, an event in the Ethereum ecosystem that seemed to solve one of crypto's biggest problems, namely its massive contribution to global warming. Now, with the FTX scandal, the press is filled with headlines like the collapse of crypto. Tonight, we're going to ask, what happened? Is this the death of cryptocurrency? But let's make one thing perfectly clear. Everything we say tonight begins with the word alleged. No one has yet been criminally charged. We haven't seen the evidence. And as Jeffrey and I often tell jurors in court, everyone is innocent until proven guilty. So it has been alleged that the CEO of FTX, Samuel Bankman-Fried, also known as FSBF, who is an MIT graduate and the son of two Stanford law professors, and his co-founder, Carolyn Ellison, who is a Stanford graduate and the daughter of two MIT professors, siphoned millions, maybe billions, from the accounts of FTX investors. They replaced the money with worthless cryptocurrency that they simply made up. And the lost money on risky investments made by Bankman Fried's hedge fund, hedge fund Alameda, and the, and the loss of the money went, was the result of risky investments by a, a hedge fund called Alameda Investments, which was Bankman Fried's own hedge fund. It is also alleged that FTX was run by SBF, Ellison, and several young associates with little or no business experience from their polyamorous commune in the Bahamas, and that FTX had no financial controls, no CFO, and virtually no accounting records. And finally, it is alleged that when the scandal broke, hundreds of millions of dollars in client money simply disappeared. Jeff? And of course, we want to hear from you, our listener, as you're our most important guest. If you want to join the conversation on this hot topic, our phone number right here is 415-841-4134. Again, 415-841-4134. If you're outside of the San Francisco Bay Area, call us toll-free at 866-798-8255. 
That's 866-798-8255. Bear in mind that nothing we're discussing tonight is in any way an offer to buy or sell or promote cryptocurrency or any security. Our guests are here to educate and inform, but they cannot and will not offer specific legal advice or investment investment advice. The opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect the opinions of NPR, KALW, our guests, employers, clients, sponsors. But once again, give us a call. We would like to hear your, your opinions. Our number is 415-841-4134. And again, if you're outside the Bay Area, 866-798-8255. And as always, you can call regarding any question on tonight's topic anything related to tonight, that is cryptocurrency. You don't have to join us in the exact moment that we may be in the conversation. Dean? And returning tonight to help us navigate the world of cryptocurrency are two outstanding guests. Chris Eberly. Chris is an investor and consultant specializing in Web3. He has been active in crypto since 2017 as a contributor to projects that included Swarm, Yearn Finance, Court and coordinate. Chris leverages his experience from Web2 companies, including Facebook and Netflix and Nebo, which was acquired by Google, to help his portfolio companies and clients with growth partnerships and operations. Also joining us tonight, Redbeard is a founding member of the Icewater development team. Icewater is building a decentralized currency that reduces volatility using internal markets rather than an external peg. He is also an active participant in the LexPunk Army Legal DAO and advises several DAOs on on issues related to decentralization. Chris Redbeard, welcome to your legal rights. Thanks very much, gentlemen. Good to uh, Good to be back. Thank you. So, as everyone knows, I like to open with a big question, and I think that some of our listeners may not yet know exactly what FTX was or is. Could somebody just give us the overview of of what this was and possibly what went wrong? Yeah, this is Redbeard. I can start off with an overview of FTX. FTX is what we call a centralized exchange which means you give it your money, either fiat currency or cryptocurrency, and it holds it for you. And it allows you to exchange uh, between fiat and various cryptocurrencies. Uh, But when you exchange the currencies, uh, you don't hold the keys to the address. It's not in your address. You, uh, they hold the currency for you. Uh, We call it centralized exchange because the whole time, they own the currency, and they have an, a, a a note in their books about what you you know what you're entitled to. Uh, and I would differentiate that from a decentralized exchange, uh, which is when which is a, a smart contract that is not operated by anyone. It operates automatically and allows you to exchange from one currency to another. So it's also, uh, let me just mention one more thing is that FTX had a close relationship with a hedge fund called, called Alameda, which got them in quite a bit of trouble because they lent their customers' funds that they were holding to a hedge fund, which then went and made some risky bets. 
the quick question so, for, for lay people. Isn't an exchange like FTX something like a smaller stock exchange as opposed to the NYSE? And what we're describing is something such as the stock exchange going under and all of the capital disappearing? You know, maybe you, I would I would think of it a little bit more like uh, a Charles Schwab or an E-Trade or a company that helps you uh, exchange money on the stock exchange. And the Ethereum network itself is kind of like the, you know, the underlying infrastructure where the actual uh, cryptocurrencies exist. And the the centralized exchange like FTX or, or Coinbase uh, they hold currency, you know. They hold their uh, their assets on the on the actual decentralized network. So th- this sounds like a pretty good idea, and, and it sounds almost like a solution to one of the big problems that cryptocurrencies have, which is accessibility. I mean, you go to a centralized exchange, you pay your money, you pick out your 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 cryptocurrencies, and they hold it in an account. So. What went wrong? I can start here, maybe, and, and then pass to you, Redbeard. Um, on the, you know, on the on the first bit of that, this, yeah, this is these uh, these guys at FTX should have been providing a, a really valuable on ramp for folks to get into crypto, both literally, like you can bring in your 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 dollars, your euros, as Redbeard mentioned, the fiat currency, and then you know exchange it into crypto. Um, then also have a you know a lower friction way to sort of get involved, um, you know, an, an AOL for for crypto, if you will. Um, and I think many of us in the in the industry regarded them as you know an important part of the ecosystem, not not real crypto per se, because not your keys, not your coins, and they held the keys. Um, but you know, but a but a, a really great vehicle to get a lot more folks uh, involved. But but yeah, to your point, things things went. Things went went really wrong. Red, Redbeard, do you want to jump in on the where they went wrong bit? Yeah. So, FTX had a close relationship to the hedge fund Alameda, and Alameda, uh, uh, you know, as many hedge funds do, was investing in some risky assets and had exposure to uh, some uh, some crypto projects such as Terra Luna, which had crashed uh, several months ago. And some other projects uh, that caused the hedge fund to lose money, and that wouldn't be a problem except that a lot of the money that they invested, you know, hedge funds make money by investing other people's money. And whose money was it that they were investing? Well, they were investing the money that retail customers had deposited into FTX, the exchange. Um, and you know, the according to the terms of service for FTX, they should have. Uh, held on to those funds so that they could give them back on demand. Um, and so there was, you know, allegations that there was an actual, you know, that it was actual fraudulently uh, transferred customer funds from FTX to Alameda. And when they made those bets and they lost, a lot of the customers' funds were lost. So how, how did this come apart? I mean, how did people find out that their money was being used for something that they had never intended? You know, it's pretty complicated, uh, but part of it involves uh, another fund called or another centralized exchange called Binance. Uh, And the head of Binance, uh, 
you know, a lot of these exchanges are quite interrelated and uh, they own some of the currency that FTX had created. FTX created a, a currency called FTT, um, which represented uh, like a claim on some of the profits from FTX. Uh, and, and when they lent their fund, the customer funds to Alameda, uh, Alameda owned a bunch of FTT. And so it was kind of this circular, circular relationship where uh, FTX lent customer, you know, gave customer funds to Alameda and Alameda owned part of FTX and they gave back FTT, which was the token that represented uh, a claim on FTX. Um, but the other uh, firms, you know, sensed some weakness because there were a lot of, a lot of uh, people who in invested in, in cryptocurrency are hurting now because there's, it's just a regular downturn. And also the collapse of one particular uh, stablecoin project, Terra Luna, caused a lot of different people in the industry. You may have, uh, there's another company called Celsius and Three Arrows Capital. A lot of people that had invested heavily in crypto and a lot of hedge funds were actually experiencing a lot of losses. And so it wasn't just, it wasn't just Alameda. A lot of crypto hedge funds were experiencing serious losses. Um, but when the other exchanges and the other people who were, ex you know, had owned a part of FTX started to hear about this, um, they, uh, they started basically calling in some of the, some of the debts of FTX and got them in real trouble. <laughs> so if I understand it, essentially what happened was, um, FTX kind of made up a new cryptocurrency called FTT and took customers' money and exchanged it for FTT and just assigned a value to it, right? Yeah, they assigned a value to it, and they prop up that value by making these kind of backroom deals. Uh, and, and everyone, you know, a lot of people in the industry, a lot of the big players own some FTT, uh, and so everyone was exposed to it. Yeah. So if I'm if I put my money in FTX and I think I've got you know an account full of Bitcoin, all of a sudden I wake up one morning and find it's not Bitcoin, it's FTT, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. So is this? Yeah. You know, frankly, as, as somebody who does a lot of white collar crime work, this just sounds like plain old fashioned fraud. Uh, is it that, or is this something that is unique to cryptocurrency? And let me add to that question before you answer, because I was going to ask the same thing. It looks like it's an old-fashioned sleight of hand, where you're buying something and they're handing you something else, which may or may not have value to it, as they're using your money. It looks like fraud, as Dean just said. And I was particularly taken to that analogy when watching a good friend of mine on the television throughout portions of the day talking about uh, similar tech cases, but we'll get to that. <laughs> you know, I, I do think it's uh, uh, an old-fashioned fraud or at least old-fashioned recklessness. We don't know all of the details. Um, but I would say that part of the reason why they were able to pull this off is because the funds were not being held on the blockchain in, the, in, a, in a transparent way. Uh, you know, cryptocurrency offers the possibility of trustless interactions and transparent interactions, but that's not what they were doing. 
they did this in spite of the fact that they were using cryptocurrency, not because they were using the decentralized mechanisms and the transparent mechanisms that cryptocurrency enables. Yeah, so, um, it, you know, I, I wonder if given that people have lost possibly billions or millions or even billions of dollars, and this is happening, as I understand it, this is having a ripple effect throughout crypto. Is the one thing that crypto was designed to avoid, namely government regulation, is that does that now become inevitable? Well, I think it's I think it's interesting. I think you know if if regulators um, it, in the areas of, of crypto where they where they are already operating, right? I think if they were doing their jobs, this actually could have been mitigated. Um, if you think about think about a company like like Coinbase, right, that is that has had to really slow their innovation because they've been sort of the poster child for crypto and crypto exchanges, and and had to, I think, jump through extra extra hoops and 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 slow down, but have have done so, right, for the you know for sort of the 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 good of the industry, as as they say, um, you know, FTX was in this sort of weird place where they had. Uh, two entities under one umbrella. They had FTX US, um, which is you know for folks within the United States, and then they had FTX, uh, FTX.com, um, for everybody else. Um, and the 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 reality of, of all of this is that the 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 as I understand it, at least the more sort of wild westy stuff was happening um, at, at FTX.com, but it all ended up. You know uh, the, the the contagion spread to everything, right? And you're talking about you know Sam Bankman-Fried hanging out with with Gary Gensler, being the sort of pro, you know, wheeling and dealing in DC guy. Um, I know we'll get into this more, but you know, making donations to both political parties, like really kind of playing the DC game. Um, this wasn't the like you know shadowy super coder stuff that 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 people you know fairly recently you know equated with the with the with cryptos wasn't like you know weird dark corner deals this is like a dude who's out and about in in, in dc so yeah i i guess there's there's two pieces of this that, that i'm rambling my my way towards one is i think it's going to be really interesting to see what the investigations yield as into you know what where where regulators did fail us there, and then the other piece is, I don't think, and I'd be I'd be curious to get Redbeard's take on this, but I don't think it's a bad thing to have these on ramps be regulated. I think the places where you're going in and out of fiat and crypto, where you're trusting some party to do that that conversion for you, I think those are places where regulation makes really good sense when you're hitting the traditional banking system i think these are places where we have to comply with the systems that we're plugging into uh and i and i think it'd be a good thing to get those things tightened up yeah does but doesn't that undermine the original vision of crypto i mean the whole idea was decentralization getting away from governments and having your your money frankly um subject to the whims of government policy i mean isn't that like contrary to the spirit of crypto Redbeard? You know, I more or less agree with what Chris said. I think that it's not feasible um, for 
to expect that the U.S. government is just not going to have a role in regulating the industry. And in fact, uh, before the downfall of FTX, SBF was heavily involved in working with politicians to draft legislation to regulate crypto. But the regulation that he was, you know, that they were working on, uh, many people have interpreted as being very unfavorable to decentralized finance and the decentralized true crypto, you know, uh, true version of crypto and, and more or less designed to create a moat so that uh, to prevent other competitors uh, from entering the space. Um, and I think it's important to differentiate between the decentralized part of crypto and then the part of crypto where someone else is holding your money for you. And he was uh, in the centralized part of uh, the crypto world. And I think that it actually, there is a place for regulation of these OMRAMPs and regulation of these companies that purport to hold money on your behalf. I think that that's an appropriate uh, place for regulation. And I think that it's inappropriate for the government now to try and step in and regulate the smart contracts that are operating automatically and that don't have a human in the loop. You know, those kinds of things are something different that is, is, is quite unlike anything that we've seen before in the traditional finance industry. And if the government passes legislation that makes it impossible for people to write code, that's where we really get into trouble. And that's where we get into the possibility of the United States more or less uh, cutting itself off from this emerging industry. In a manner of speaking, analogous to the government Rather than regulating where Aunt Millie can invest, it's telling the company how to operate when perhaps that's outside its expertise and its sphere. You're listening to Your Legal Rights on KALW 91.7 FM, San Francisco Bay Area. I'm Jeff Hayden, your host, joined by co-host Dean Johnson. Tonight, we're discussing the complex legal arena surrounding cryptocurrency with Web3 investor and consultant Chris Eberly and patent attorney and crypto enthusiast Redbeard. If you have questions for our guests, our phone number is 415-841-4134. Again, that's 415-841-4134. If you're outside of the San Francisco Bay Area, call us toll-free at 866-798-8255. That's 866-798-8255. And as always, you can call regarding any question on tonight's topic, again, any question relating to cryptocurrency, you don't have to join us at that exact spot where we may be in our conversation. Yeah, let, let me just change the subject a little bit here. I just as as background, I spent the entire day on NBC talking about what I think is a related case, which is the Theranos case, where uh, a, a, a young woman who started a, a a venture in medical technology when she was 19 years old and it went south and um, she gradually got herself sucked into misrepresenting what her technology could do. And now she's going to federal prison. And we asked the rhetorical question, you know, you take a 19 year old college dropout Venture capital gives her a billion dollars and tasks her with creating a revolutionary medical technology. What could possibly go wrong? 
And I, I asked the same question about crypto. Here we have a couple of young college graduates, obviously IQs through the roof, but zero business experience. And the, the new CEO of FTX, who is handling it through bankruptcy, said he never saw such neglect in, in corporate structure. There was no CFO. There was no accounting. Corporate policies were decided with emojis. Um, is this a cultural problem in the way that we in Silicon Valley and tech in general are handing out money with the idea of, of creating the next big thing? And if so, what do we do about it? Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's a few layers of this, but I think it, it you know, a, a big piece that that came up in in these is FTX sort of discoveries is the like the complete lack of due diligence that 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 went into several areas of this. One, certainly how their business even operated. Two, how investors into them, um, you know did their diligence or, or not on FTX and how it operated. And then three, certainly the way that, that Alameda was doing diligence on the places where it was investing. And so it's this like this sort of extreme, extreme version of like, yeah, sort of throwing, throwing money at, at, at things. And yeah, I don't know. I, you know, if you read that um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, talking to strangers, he talks about uh, defaulting to truth and the, the, this idea of just sort of defaulting to to to, to trust, and you, and you have to wonder. Um, you hear these stories of like SBF being on investor calls and playing. What was he playing? League of Legends, Redbeard? Is that a, mm -hmm. like gaming? While he's playing these things, but hey, is this like affable kind of maybe not affable, but this nerdy Stanford kid with his great pedigree and doing all this crypto stuff? And let's you know, sort of default to truth and 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 trust this guy. And I think yeah, I mean, I think it's um. You know, I think it's a it's it's bigger than it's bigger than 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 crypto. It's bigger than than Elizabeth Holmes. It's this 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 back to this idea. I think in a meta way, the same desire to like find easy money and make a quick buck that that I think has you know has pulled people into crypto for some of the wrong reasons. Pulled people into these um, pulled even larger amounts of money into these you know into these companies with sort of a similar kind of thing. So it's this sort of greed, you know greed standard um that's sort of at a you know at a at, i don't know at, at a level that that uh is certainly not sustainable as we've seen but I, I i will admit i don't know what we what we do about it i would also make the distinction of there's a difference when a venture capitalist loses money if a venture capitalist gives people millions of dollars and loses their money that's one thing but if a pension fund or you know a, a 24 year old you know single mother invests uh, their money in something and loses it. That's that's a much bigger problem. Yeah, well said. Um, and you know, I think what's underlying this, and we talked about this in connection with the Theranos case, is what we sometimes call FOMO, fear of missing out. Uh, in fact, um, the FTX used FOMO in its advertising. They had a Super Bowl ad that ended with a big, you know, black screen saying, don't miss out, invest in FTX. And, and it's, it just seems to me that this whole, uh, this whole process of tech innovation and throwing money at problems is just fraught with 
all of the traps that make for bad decision making, like FOMO, attribution error. Um, we have this attractive young woman who is is touted as the next Steve Jobs all over magazine covers, and they assume um, she she looks and sounds like the next Steve Jobs. She must know what she's talking about. And Samuel Bankman Fried touted on the same magazines as the next Warren Buffett. And now he'll probably be on the magazine cover as the next Bernie Madoff. Uh, so maybe we should just be wary of anybody who is being heralded as the next anything. I don't, you know, I don't know what the solution is, but there's a huge problem. And, and let me make it a bigger problem. The potential problem here, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that some of these crypto entities are starting to grow rapidly to where they could grow so huge that they become too big to fail. And the government at some point may be forced to bail them out. Do you find that to be consistent with what you're seeing? So I don't think it's a problem uh, if a decentralized crypto entity becomes big. I don't think it's a problem that crypto or that Bitcoin has a lot of value invested in it. I don't think it's a problem that Ethereum has a lot of value invested in it. I think the big problem here was that an individual was invested with so much trust. So much money was placed on trusting one person. And that to me is against the values of of crypto technology, which is trying to separate us from the necessity of trusting these individuals, these middlemen who provide, who mediate between us and, and our ability to engage with the financial system. Um, And so I think it's a big problem to trust any single person, especially an untested and untrustworthy person with so much money. But I don't think it's, I don't think that there's a problem with having large uh, social phenomenon like Bitcoin or Ethereum. You're listening to Your Legal Rights on KALW 91.7 FM. We'll be back right after this. Support for KALW is provided by the Bar Association of San Francisco. If you live in San Francisco or Marin County, the Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service can arrange for you to meet with an attorney experienced in the area of law related to your situation. Call 415-989-1616 or visit sfbar.org for more information. Let me turn it over to Brad in Fairfax. Brad, welcome to your legal rights. You're on the air. Uh, thanks, yeah, Brad from Fairfax, California. Um, I've been a longtime retail investor. I'm in my 50s, and I uh, early on decided never to to get involved with crypto because it um, I didn't see any value in it, and I still don't. It's pegged to the to the dollar, and the only value is is what people kind of perceive it to be. I know there are some uh, benefits to blockchain, and that technology can be used in the corporate world. But from my view, it's, uh, it's simply a Ponzi scheme. And um, so I guess my question is, what value does crypto really offer other than someone who buys it is hoping for it to go up? And, you know, I, I perceived this early on that this would end up ugly and lots of people will lose money. You know, VC companies with too much cash to invest looking for a quick hit and then the poor retail customers who are looking for a lottery ticket. And it's, it's just, uh, it's just a shame. I'll take uh, your answer off the air. Thank you. And I I think Brad brings up a point that I'm going to turn over to the both of you, 
But what Brad was describing sounded an awful lot like investing in dot-coms back in 2000 instead of today before there was any current before there was any commerce going through and yet people were throwing an awful lot of money never really knowing what was going to take off and what was behind it um kind of sounds like deja vu but chris you look poised to answer brad's question yeah sure no and, and thank you thank you brad for the for the for the question and, and the point of view i think it's i think it's one that's that's shared by many and it you know it it uh, it reminds me of you know a, a piece that was in the Economist. I think it was last week, where you know one of the lines that they said in regards to all this FTX collapse is uh, never before has crypto looked so criminal, wasteless, and useless. Um, and I honestly, I think that's fair the, to the extent that it's you know crypto has looked this way. And, and I think that's how I would answer Brad, Brad's question, which again I think is a is a is a really fair one. Um, if if we're looking at, at at crypto as you know, is there is if you're looking at it through the lens of you know the only the only lens is like is this a valuable investment vehicle? Is this a valuable speculative vehicle to come in and 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 make money? I, I would I would strongly argue that that's not the way to look at uh, at crypto. There's certainly money to be made. Um, both in just you know just straight up gambling and trying to you know predict what's going to pump and what's going to get popular and all of that kind of stuff. I don't recommend that behavior, but there is money to be made there. It's it's just a fact. Um, but but more so in you know in, in systems that have been that have been built that you know that have and and will have future you know future utility and will have um, you know some some cryptocurrency or or token required to use those systems like there are there are places where you can anticipate where where more demand will come in the future for that for that supply but all of that said this is my you know it's really about the tech argument um but all of that said i i think the reason that 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 so many folks like me you know and i i went from web 1 to web 2 to now web 3 right i worked at AOL and then and Facebook and and Netflix and now have been in, in in crypto for a for a while, um, and for me it's it's the the pieces of this ecosystem that really get beyond any of the things that uh, really are outside of the things that happened with FTX. Really, it's the it's actually the decentralization of, of it all that get, that gets me excited. The ability to build um, build systems, build on top of systems that don't require us to trust any of these entities. It's the it's really it's all of the things that sort of FTX flew in the face of, right? It's, um, you know, and you're building on top of Ethereum, for example, you're, um, you're able to, you know, to set up, um, you know, set up software, set up um, uh, relationships between, between people, whatever you want to call it, but, you know, in a way that, again, doesn't, doesn't require either sort of paying a tax to a big Google or a Facebook or those guys, nor does it require having to trust in some, you know, fly by night sort of scheme. So I, I mean, for me, it's, it's about that sort of the, you know, the, 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 the higher order opportunity of different ways of collaborating, of, of, of owning, of, of interacting um, uh, and, and doing that in a, in, a, in a truly global way versus the way that the, you know, the legacy centralized systems are kind of, you know, segregated today. But I'd be very curious to get Redbeard's take on this. Yeah, I mean, one of the first things I'd start with is that there are people in the world that are using cryptocurrency for, you know, for day-to-day usage. And a lot of that happens in places where the local currency is not reliable. In the United States, we take the existence of a reliable currency for granted. We take the existence of a functioning banking system for granted. 
because we have all of that infrastructure here. That's not true across the world. And there are places like Nigeria and Venezuela where using cryptocurrency is the only viable option to have a reliable banking system and a reliable financial system. Um, and, and so there are uses for it and there are, uh, but I agree that the amount of money that has gone into crypto uh, is out of proportion to the amount of the current amount of commerce that goes through crypto. But I really appreciate what Jeff said because a lot of money was poured into the internet before there was commerce on the internet but no one says now that the internet was a bad investment. You know, everyone does commerce via Amazon. Everyone, you, you know, in, uses it. And the and the the reason why it's important for uh, investors to be able to invest in something speculative is because the payoff and the commerce and the and the most of the usage will be in the future. That's what investment is all about. Is where people see an opportunity in the future. But it really is a problem when people who know nothing about it and can't afford to lose their money, uh, they invest money that they can't afford to lose um, without, uh, and, and they invest in, and they trust people who shouldn't be trusted. They don't know how to get into crypto in a way uh, that takes advantage of the decentralized infrastructure. You know, it, it's strike. We've talked about this a couple of times that crypto has almost a schizophrenic nature to it. It's some people say it's a currency. Some people say it's an investment. And it just strikes me from what you're both saying that it's the investment side that creates the problems. I mean, that's where we have the volatility. That's where we have the pump and dump schemes. That's where we have the huge repositories of crypto that become targets for hackers. Is that the problem? And if so, is there some way to disentangle the investment crypto from the currency crypto? So I think this is a, a very important distinction. And in fact, the caller mentioned that there is crypto that is pegged to the dollar and that achieves stability and in fact, usefulness as a currency by borrowing stability from the dollar. And typically people don't invest in cryptocurrencies they invest in crypto assets that they expect to increase in value. But there's a big difference. You cannot be both a good currency and a good asset. And so it's really important. Uh, it, it's an important distinction in crypto to know whether uh, a token or a cryptocurrency is going to be useful as a currency or whether it's a speculative asset. Um, but I should add that it's a totally valid use of crypto to create uh, tokens that represent speculative assets. Uh, that's a totally valid thing, um, but people need to understand the distinction or you can get yourself into real trouble. And, and when you invest in a crypto asset, you need to know what is the underlying revenue stream that that asset has claimed to. What are you actually investing in? And a lot of people invest in cryptocurrencies without any understanding of the underlying protocol or why it might be expected to be valuable in the future. You're listening to Your Legal Rights on KALW 91.7 FM. I'm your host, Jeff Hayden, joined by co-host Dean Johnson. Tonight, we're discussing the complex arena surrounding cryptocurrency with Web3 investor and consultant Chris Eberly and patent attorney and crypto enthusiast Redbeard. 
If you have questions for our guests, phone number is 415-841-4134. Again, that's 415-841-4134. If you're outside of San Francisco Bay Area, call us toll-free at 866-798-8255. That's 866-798-8255. There's still a few minutes to get your call in if you wish. And as always, you can call regarding any question on tonight's topic. You have questions about cryptocurrency, join right in. You don't have to jump in where we are in our conversation. Dean? Yeah, so following up on what you said, Redbeard, it sounds like the the answer to the problem is cryptocurrencies functioning as a true currency backed up by some real world asset. I mean, you could get cryptocurrency as a token and the token buys a certain number of shares in a mutual fund or a hedge fund or whatever real world asset it might be. That would seem to damp down the volatility problem and make it really viable for people out there in the third world, uh, in places like Nigeria, in places like Venezuela. Um, where you know up to eighty percent of of the people already own crypto, uh, to to make it a viable currency and and solve their problem, which is really the volatility of their own country's currency. Uh, have I got that right? Well, I would say you're partially right because um, uh, uh, pegging to or backing something up with a real world asset is one way to achieve stability, but it's not the only way. Uh, And one way to think about this is the U.S. dollar. Um, It used to be the case that the U.S. dollar was uh, a valuable currency because you could exchange it for gold. Right. But they phased that out. And the U.S. dollar, you can no longer go and and exchange your dollar for an ounce of gold. But the dollar is still a relatively useful and stable currency um, because people expect it to be useful. And its stability is uh, safeguarded by the Federal Reserve. And so the value of the dollar depends a lot to the extent to which you trust the Federal Reserve. Um, and, and right now, maybe, you know, they're, they're, may not, they're not doing the greatest job because we've been experiencing some, you know, significant inflation. But over the past, you know, average over the past 20 years, the Federal Reserve has done a decent job of maintaining a stable currency, despite the fact that it's not backed by anything, right? It's fiat. Well, it actually is. I mean, it says right on the dollar bill, it's backed by the full faith and credit of the United States, um, which, you know, is is better than being backed by just pure faith, as Jeff said the other day. <laughs> it's pure. It's pure faith in the United States, um, and and you know what? Uh, it's 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 backed by the expectations that people have. You know, people trust the United States, and the United States uh, uh, does back the currency. Uh, via the Federal Reserve. However, it's not the only conceivable way to have, a, to have a valuable currency. But the key is that backing a currency with a real world asset is one way to keep it stable. And it has to be stable in order to be useful as a currency. If it's volatile and it's moving all over the place and it can go up and down and all over the place, uh, it's not going to be valuable as a currency, but it might, be a good, it might still be a good investment. Uh, that's the difference between an investment and a currency. Let me turn it to Colleen in San Francisco. Colleen, you're on the air. Welcome to your legal rights. Hi, thanks for having me. So um, I work in cannabis, 
from the VP of Growth at a supply chain technology company. And I think, uh, you know, we were looking to the crypto um, as a possible solution for cannabis's banking um, problems. And, you know, the cannabis industry in California is basically imploding at the moment. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of them is that it's extremely high risk um, because we don't have access to banking. And so I was wondering if you could speak to, you know, the potential of crypto helping cannabis and if you think that's in the future. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I get I can start on that. Th- thank you, Colleen, for um, for 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 calling in. Um, uh, yeah, and I think it's a it's a it's a fascinating space to be working working in in, in, in cannabis, and also one that's that's uh, that's early, at least, and right in the um, from a from a, a regulated perspective. But yeah, you know, I, I I don't know a ton about that industry, but I but I have heard I have heard that it is um, yeah, it's tough to get. Um, Tough to get banks to work with you. Tough to tough to get things across across state lines, and um, you're in that place where it's you know a product that is legal in, in more and more states, but illegal federally. All, all all these kinds of these kinds of things. But I think, um, uh, I mean, I think it's I think crypto for um, crypto for an industry like that. I think makes makes a, makes a ton of sense in particular. Um, decentralized solutions like what Redbeard described at, uh, at sort of the top of the hour, where you're not trusting any third party um, to you know to hold your funds in in custody, right? Like the the idea of um, an entity you know freezing your account, let's say, um, like we know happens to folks in a, in a bunch of in- industries uh, with like their 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 Venmo account and th- things like that um, simply can't happen if you have self custody over your, your, your crypto. So I would say from a, you know, can the, can the tech support large amounts of, of money and, and keep it safe? I think the tech is there today. I think the interface is what's tough um, or there is some, there is some, some friction and some, some level of, uh, of um, uh, expertise or at least onboarding required to sort of get in and, and, you know, manage your um, manage your assets in that way. We're but we are you know we're working on those those issues. And honestly, the FTX stuff sort of sets us back as an industry in a bit because it's not a real not a real glowing endorsement for folks to want to come bring bring their their funds in. But all of that said, I think the you know the underlying um, you know places to to store your money. Um, I think you know crypto crypto is a you know is a is a, is a sovereign way for folks to do that. Yeah, it sounds like a, a pretty elegant solution to a big problem that the cannabis, despite what we think here in California and other states, cannabis is still illegal and selling cannabis is a federal crime. And if you go through a federal financial institution to do it, then you're committing all sorts of bank fraud and wire fraud and everything else. So it might, you know, it, it, it might be the way to go. Yeah, that's a that's a great point, Dean, because uh, you know, from my perspective, the government has just made a terrible mess of cannabis regulation uh, because of the contradictions between state law and federal law uh, and, the, and, and confusion about whether the law is going to be enforced and how it's going to be enforced. Uh, the, the government has done a really terrible job and it's created this uh, a perfectly viable uh, industry. It's, it, it's created this confusion. And, and crypto is still in its early stages, but that's what we're working on. That's what, you know, that's what I'm working on is trying to build solutions for people who cannot be, who aren't well served by the traditional banking in, uh, institutions. And there are other industries like that in the United States. 
that are, for example, prediction markets. Uh, it's, it's a perfectly useful concept to have a market for people to be able to predict the winner of an election. Um, but federal, the federal agencies have uh, made it impossible to have such and for people to engage in these markets. And so they have to exist on the blockchain. Yeah, and let me just take my remarks a little bit further. I'm not advising anybody to try any of that because uh, that's a very complicated situation. And if you are engaging in illegal transactions and using crypto to do it, that was exactly the problem that everybody uh, raised about crypto when it began, which is it was being used for illegal transactions. And I can see an argument from a federal prosecutor saying, yeah, okay, if you guys are, you know, contributing to a blockchain um, and creating crypto to trade in illegal substances, then you're all guilty. So I wouldn't advise anybody to do that unless they got some really, really good detailed legal advice. It does seem kind of ripe for money laundering, does it not? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly one of the problems that was first raised uh, about crypto is that the, it was it like uh, fraught with possibilities for money laundering. And in fact, there was some evidence that that had actually happened. So the, the caveat here is be careful and we're not advising any anybody on how to facilitate criminal activity. You know, we only have less than a minute left, but I did want to pose one last question. This whole debacle with FTX. Does it ex- does, does this really expose some weakness within crypto and the whole industry? You know, it, uh, I, I was trying to find the the, the tweet because I, I wish I could um, uh, give give credit where credit is due. But I, 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 it was one of those like who's going to tell them things too. Um, but a, a, a cryptic of uh, sorry, a critic of crypto when the FTX stuff was was coming out said. Um, something to the, to the effect of, you know, the, the the ironic thing in all of this is that crypto is supposed to solve for all of these things because you have custody of your own funds and all, all of this kind of stuff, um, which is sort of the whole the whole point is like, you know, from a from a from a technology perspective, like blockchain and, and and the rest of it, like FTX wasn't really crypto, right? It was, it was not a it was not a not a Web three company, not not a decentralized company, not actually running directly on any of the of the tech. Um, and it, in, it, in many ways, I think true DeFi will actually come out of this much, much stronger because there's there's just, there's just it, it sort of underscores the need for uh, sovereignty and, and, and trustless technology. Now, from a from a branding perspective, um, this is a, a ridiculously bad blow to the industry because because the average person um doesn't uh, doesn't differentiate any of it. it all it all just sounds like the same bucket of stuff and that stuff looks pretty bad r- right about now so i think the the fundamentals of of crypto i think are are stronger than ever and i'm honestly bullish or more bullish than ever but in the in in the in the immediate term we've we collectively have some 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 cleanup to do thanks to what uh, you know mr bankman fried and, and others have done here Believe it or not, this has gone by so fast, but we have run out of time, and I do want to give each of you a a bit of time for any closing thoughts. Dean Johnson, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I've spent my entire day talking about 
two massive failures of technology where we have given young people uh, literally a billion dollars to pursue some unproven tech, whether it be crypto or whether it be Theranos. And you know, I think we in Silicon Valley are selling our souls for the next big thing. Uh, it's time that we look at our culture and it, here in Silicon Valley and we do some serious self-reflection about how we are spending our money and how we're depriving these young people of their childhood and putting responsibilities on them that inevitably lead to disaster. With that, let me turn it over to Chris Eberly, would you like to sp- give us about two to three minutes for any closing remarks? Yeah, sure. I, I feel like I got sort of a head start on, on closing remarks with, with what I had just said about sort of the, you know, the the impact to the, you know, on the on the on the brand of of crypto. You know, I I would say there's, you know, there's so many angles to this, and and um, you know, the first caller that, that we had tonight. Um, focused, I think, understandably on the sort of the speculative nature or the gambling aspect of of crypto, which is what what many folks know, right? And and you know the the way that uh, uh, FTX advertised, the way that you know Crypto.com advertised with Matt Damon and Fortune favors the the brave and all all of this stuff. Um, it's just such a bad look, right? Because it's all about, hey, come in and you know and gamble on these things, and you'll and you'll 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 get rich quick. What I would put out to our uh, to our our audience is, um, there's so much other stuff going on in crypto, and so much so much good. And I think it's in one part just a bunch of innovators trying to build cool, useful products that people will love, but building them in decentralized tech. And then there's just a bunch of wholesome stuff. I don't know, you know. You hear about Dogecoin and Elon talks about Dogecoin, but there are some people that are 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 um, you know doing a, a crowdfunding campaign to build a, a bronze statue of the original Doge from the Doge meme uh, in the Doge's hometown in in, in Japan, and they're you know it's just a bunch of good people trying to do 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 good things. So I would say you know give. Give give crypto, even though maybe it doesn't deserve it give right now. Give give crypto a you know a, a a deeper look, a second look. at look at some of the innovative things and some of the human things going on in the in the space. And I and I think you might find why so many of us, um, even through all of this, are are you know are very uh, committed to and passionate about uh, you know working on uh, working on this tech. Redbeard, would you like to close out? Any final thoughts you have? Yeah, I think that crypto, just like anything else, it has a dark side and kind of a light side. And those of us who are working on uh, on the tech, like Chris mentioned, to build useful products and to build things that can help provide access to uh, financial products that, that they wouldn't otherwise have, uh, we're going to be building regardless of whether... Uh, you know, there's tons of money flowing into the industry or, 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 whether, or whether there's money flowing out of the industry. Um, but there also is a lot of uh, gambling and there are Ponzi schemes and there are scams that, that go on and people utilize the, you know, the technology to, to do uh, for illicit behavior. Uh, that exists too. And I think that you know, the question was asked, Dean asked, does this expose a weakness? Does the FTX collapse expose a weakness? And I think it absolutely does. But that weakness is just that the industry is immature. It's a young industry. It's a new industry. Most of the value that the industry will provide is in the future, maybe in the near future, maybe in the far future. Those of us who are building, we believe in that future. But I don't expect uh, you know, pension funds and, 
and retail investors to, I, I don't think at this point, uh, we need the investment of, of everyday people to speculate on, on things that they don't understand. Uh, we're going to build those things. I, I believe that they're going to provide value and they're, and, uh, but it is young and there's, and it's going to take time. And as we were talking before the show, I suggested the view that there's a lot of great potential with cryptocurrency, but it might not yet be the place for a passive investor investor to be jumping in and buying a share and in, in something intended to be an invest uh, retirement investment. We're just not there yet. Exactly, um, but there is potential, and it's something that a lot of innovative and brilliant people believe in. Um, but it doesn't mean that people should be investing in it. I've really enjoyed our time together. Gentlemen, thank you. Um, it's a great financial discussion that we've been having tonight, and it does seem a little off balance that our next show is going to be year-end tax tips. You want to learn about what to do with your investments, what to deal with spending, really preparing for those things you need to do before the year is out in order to give yourself a favorable position with the government, with the IRS. And that's next week on Your Legal Rights. You've been listening to Your Legal Rights on KALW 91.7 FM in San Francisco. And tonight we revisited our discussion of cryptocurrency. Our guests tonight have been patent attorney and crypto enthusiast Redbeard, Web3 investor and consultant Chris Eberly. And joining me tonight as my co-host, my partner in crime, NBC legal and political analyst, Dean Johnson. As I mentioned, next week we're back talking about year-end tax tips. We're working on programs to close out the year, such as PG&E's effort to make it so you cannot own the solar panels on your roof. And closing out the year, we're taking a look at elections in San Francisco. Just what is happening with free and fair elections in the Election Commission in San Francisco? That's this year that we're closing on your legal rights. Our show tonight's been produced by Dean Johnson and yours truly. And once again, thank you, Dean, and our guests, Chris and Redbeard. And our thanks to all of you for joining us. And at the controls, Joanne Marr. I'm Jeff Hayden. Good night and stay safe. Support for KALW is provided by the Bar Association of San Francisco. If you live in San Francisco or Marin County, the Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service can arrange for you to meet with an attorney experienced in the area of law related to your situation. Call 415-989-1616 or visit sfbar.org for more information.